Welcome to the Spirit Guided Life Podcast. Get ready to explore limitless ways of creating a dialogue with your spirit, including awesome guests, lightworker tips, and intuitive inspirations. So say yes to tuning in to your heart, be willing to trust the invisible, and stand by to be spirit guided with your host, Alex Levy. Welcome and hello, everyone, to episode 57 of the Spirit Guided Life Podcast. We've got a great show lined up for you today. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. And I just wanna thank you for listening, for the feedback and the comments. It truly touches my heart and I read each and every single one of them. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast and hit the notification for when future episodes are released. And it would mean so much if you could just leave a few stars and a little review. So today we are talking about manifesting abundance, manifesting justice, and manifesting immortality, which uh, I was curious and excited to hear about that one. We are sitting down today with someone who I really love on Instagram, and that's how I first connected with him. His work is so heart-centered and authentic and I love his approach. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you Albert Beto Howell, also known as Beto. Beto is a Master of Divinity and graduate of Harvard University's Divinity School. He also holds a Master of Theological Studies from Harvard University and a Master of Divinity from Andover Newton Theological School. Beto has worked as an unpaid assistant prison chaplain, a volunteer visiting chaplain at a skilled nursing facility, and a deacon for faith-based organizations. Currently, he produces content for his social media following, including daily written posts in a weekly series on Instagram Live and Facebook Live. His daily posts are aptly named Daily Divinity Coaching and his weekly series entitled Sunday Weekly Revival. He is his own sponsor, and he even gives away free sets of his own manifest bracelets is social media followers. And he sent me some, and I love them. They're really cool. And Beto currently resides in Cambridge. And you can find him on Instagram at The Daily Divinity Coach and on Facebook under Albert Beto Howell. So without further ado, let's dive into this conversation. Beto, thank you so much for joining me here on the Spirit Guided Life podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you, and I'm so happy that you are spending some time with us today on the podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me, Alex. I really appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, you know, I've been following you for a while on Instagram, and everything you do is just so inspiring and uplifting and motivating. I was, you know, it's been a while. I'm like, you know what? I really want to have a conversation with you. So um, I feel like this is kind of long overdue. So yeah, thanks a lot for, for being here. What what does it mean for you to be a daily divinity coach? Yeah, so I actually started daily divinity coaching. It's been about a year now. And what happened is I had been doing a lot of volunteer work. I'm a master of divinity. I graduated from Harvard Divinity School. And um, I've never been a paid career minister. Um, like the great teacher. When I say the great teacher, I'm talking about the man from Nazareth, uh, Jesus. Um, so some call the Messiah, others call a prophet. I don't deal, deal in individual faith beliefs. 
but so anyway, uh, like the great teacher who had a day job as a carpenter, I also have a day job. Although I'm not a carpenter, I do something else. So anyhow, um, but I have this background in divinity, and I always shared it in some vehicle, um, always volunteer, unpaid. So I was an assistant chaplain for uh, prisons. Um, I've been a volunteer in skilled nursing facilities. Um, I was a deacon at a faith-based organization. So I was always somehow given back. And um, the last few years, um, I was looking for another vehicle, something different, another way to give back. Because with my day job, I was doing a lot of traveling. So it was hard for me to commit certain you know, days or certain times to uh, volunteer work. And so I came up with this idea of posting on social media. Mm. And I was looking for a name that fit my personality and I thought about Divinity Coach and uh, looked on Instagram and Divinity Coach was taken. Oh, wow. <laughs> but daily Divinity Coach was not taken. And I said, well, this is going to um, prompt me to actually do something every day. And that, that's a good habit to have. So I started posting um, on Instagram, started on Instagram, but I also post on Facebook and Twitter and uh, LinkedIn for those that use those platforms. And so I started uh, posting daily spiritual inspirational. So a couple sentences, no more than a paragraph, just written. Mm -hmm. And then I put them up on Instagram and the other social media platforms. And I called it daily divinity coaching and called myself daily divinity coach. So that, that was mm -hmm. the start. That was the impetus of it all. Oh, that's awesome. So, so you, you did mention you, you have a master of divinity and you are a graduate of Harvard university divinity school. So, but prior to, prior to those educational trainings, did you always have an interest in the theosophical world and, and spirituality and religion? Were there threads of that for you always kind of growing up? Yes, absolutely. And I appreciate you asking that question. Um, so I was actually born and baptized Catholic. Mm -hmm. uh, we went to church every Sunday. And then when I was uh, a tween, 11 years old, uh, my parents became Protestants. And my mom uh, became a practicer of, or practitioner, I should say, of the law of attraction. Mm. And so throughout my tweens, teens, uh, you know, into my early adulthood, I had this mother who was always talking about the law of attraction, speaking things into existence and thoughts are things, you know, all, all the stuff that goes on with the law of attraction. So it was really incredible for me when I started posting on social media and I saw how you know, the law of attraction for the most part uh, has become mainstream. It's like, yeah, manifest this, manifest that. I'm like, oh my God, my mom used to talk about that back in 1980 with wow. drill in our heads. Yeah. And back then, back then it wasn't mainstream, right? It was kind of marginalized, really. She was actually kind of marginalized for, for her thoughts and her beliefs and her practices. So, uh, but I seen, I seen the evidence myself. For example, she uh, used to her vision wasn't very good her eyesight and she manifested 2020 vision again i mean it wow. was incre yeah incredible uh you know there are people who came up to her and said you know i want to uh, manifest a spouse you know i want this type of a partner or that type of partner and and uh, she would go through the process with them you know the law of attraction process and boom all of a sudden that person's partner would show up. It was like, whoa. So yeah, so I grew up with that. Mm. And my father, my father practiced faith healing. Mm. He was a faith healer. And uh, my grandfather was uh, practiced mystical uh, indigenous Mexican healing rituals. Oh, wow. So I, yeah, yeah. So I always, I had this background as a, as a kid. For me, it was normal, Alex. It wasn't sure. like something special. Yeah. Uh, you know, but now that, you know, I'm a mature 
uh, uh, young man still, I like to call myself young, but now that I'm a, a mature man, um, it's, you know, it's really unbelievable that the, for me to be on social media and realize that a lot of these things have become mainstream or yeah. before they're marginalized when I was a kid. Right. They, they definitely, yeah, they have. So, so I was just going to ask you about that. that. That's an interesting kind of segue. Do, do you feel like more faiths and beliefs are opening up to the law of attraction? Um, I would say people are, individuals people are. are. Yeah, okay. I would say individuals are, um, you know, I, that, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I would say that the individuals are, you know, I talk to individual I, and the thing is the individuals that I talk to, what my, I feel like my calling is, is to help educate those individuals to understand that the law of attraction doesn't stand on its own two legs. There's mm-hmm. other pieces to the law of attraction so, and one, one of the big pieces is social justice. So although I had the, all that background, especially with the law of attraction as a kid growing up, primarily from my mother, I didn't have a lot of the social justice background, even though, you know, my ancestry or my heritage on, on mother's side is Mexican. Um, all, all my social justice education has been in school, primarily university and divinity school. My divinity track training was uh, liberation theology. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, liberation theology, Latin American, primarily uh, because, again, the Mexican heritage, but also um, uh, African-American liberation theology, uh, feminist liberation theology, you know, and the list goes on. You know, that, that was my background in studies, and I really wanted to devote myself to that because that's not what I had in home. That was the other piece that was very important to this mm. is that the law of attraction. That's why I talk about manifesting not just abundance, but also justice and then I'm sure we'll get to immortality a little bit later in our talk, but immortality as well, because these all three things go hand in hand. And so for me, that justice piece was very important. And I really devoted myself to educating uh, myself in, in liberation theology and social justice. And, um, and again, here's another case where, you know, with Black Lives Matter, um, the unfortunate tragic incident that occurred in Minneapolis uh, back in May, the tragic highness murder of George Floyd um, really propelled Black Lives Matter and social justice to the forefront, to the mainstream of our consciousness, because a lot of us were stuck indoors, right, during the right. pandemic, watching this thing unfold, right, before our eyes, those tragic eight or nine minutes, um, some say eight, some say nine, you know, it depends on how you read the video, but the tragic uh, murder of, of George Floyd brought all that into our consciousness, and it's become mainstream, and, you know, when I was doing my divinity school studies, you know, um, a couple decades ago now, it wasn't, it wasn't mainstream, Alex, mm. but, but now with Black Lives Matter, it is. And just like with the, um, you know, law of attraction, you know, my mother mar- was marginalized. She was actually marginalized for a lot of her beliefs. And, wow. and um, you know, she wouldn't be now. She'd be celebrated, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she'd probably have a national bestseller out there or something. Yeah. So, you know, she'd be called, she'd be on your show. <laughs> she'd be on your show. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Things have definitely changed, right? So it, it, what is justice in spiritual terms? Yeah. So I talk about social justice. So ancient text tells us that it's our job to fight oppression. You know, that, that's a spiritual mandate. And, but I also explained that this is why I talk about abundance and justice going hand in hand. Yes, it's our job to fight oppression. We should be out there fighting these structures of evil, right? Like racial injustice and economic inequities. 
but at the same time, we're also called upon to take care of our, our temples, which are our physical bodies. Our, our bodies are the temple of the divine. And so we're called to take care of our bodies too. So that's that abundance piece where we're called to take care of ourselves, but also to take care of the least of these, right? The widows, uh, the oppressed, the you know, the, the, those living in poverty, the hungry, the poor. So we're called to take care of the least of these, but we're also called to take care of ourselves. And that's why I talk about, you know, the law of attraction shouldn't be looked at in silo, but neither should social justice. We got to look at the broader picture. And, and, and also the third piece that I talk about, which is immortality, which is really a 10-year self-study and, and reflection. I had no teacher um, teaching me about immortality. It was all my, my own study. And after 10 years... I, that's part of me starting the social media. That's when I started professing my immortality because I realized that even if you have abundance, Alex, even if you're fighting oppression and you know you're doing the jo- social justice thing, you're taking care of your temple, you're doing your yoga, you're eating healthy and and uh, getting proper sleep, and uh, you know you got a great income and all those types of things. Uh, if you lack time, you don't have true abundance, and that's what immortality does for you is once you accept your immortality and like I do, you start professing it, you start time, you start having that feeling of abundance of time. And then that's when you start to get that peace that surpasses all understanding, which is true abundance. Mm. So there's that material abundance, right? Right, right. You need clothes, you need food, you need, you know, you need all those things. But the true abundance is the piece that's past all understanding. That's why you have somebody like Alex Bourdain, right? Who, uh, you know, the celebrity, celebrity chef mm-hmm. got to travel the world with his CNN episodes and, you know, had a beautiful wife uh, who practiced jujitsu. They did an episode mm-hmm. on CNN with him and her down in Brazil. Uh, you know, she was practicing jujitsu with the Gracies, right? The founders of Brazilian jujitsu. You know, here's this man who had everything and yet he took his own life. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because he lacked that peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, which is the true abundance. So, so what are some keys to abundance? Uh, what are some keys to abundance? It's really, again, that, that understanding. Obviously, you got to get past the survival phase, right? Where, you know, a lot of people are, you know, this is why justice is so key. A lot of people, they're hungry. They're just trying to get through the day, right? They're hungry. They're, especially in COVID, they're jobless. The joblessness numbers are outrageous. I live in Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts. Yeah. We are the most educated state in the nation. Wow. Everybody says, go to college and you're going to get a good job. Guess right. who's, guess which state has the highest rate of unemployment right now during COVID, during this pandemic? Massachusetts, wow. over 16%. Really? That's a quarter to the government numbers. If you look at real unemployment, you're talking well over 20%, closer wow. to 25%. So, um, yeah, so you got to get past that survival piece, right? And that's why social justice is so important. But once you get past that survival piece and, you know, you got clothes, you got food, you're not worrying about those day-to-day necessities, um, then it's really about activating that peace inside of you and realizing you really have to get your head around the immortality piece that ancient text tells us the divine created us right you alex myself to be immortal uh to be made in the image of the divine who's eternal Mm -hmm. and so we have we have to get our heads around how to manifest that uh uh immortality to to be able to manifest that uh to be like the divine to to manifest the divine's creation which Mm -hmm. is us and so inside of us we're all made of stardust alex 
stars that existed millions, billions, even trillions of years ago, stars that were even there at the beginning of the universe. And this is all scientific. Uh, I, there's a National Geographic mm-hmm. piece that, that's tremendous that talks about this. And uh, because we're made of stardust, we have the ability to regenerate ourselves. Our bodies actually regenerate themselves every few years. So there's no reason for us to uh, manifest the, the negative effects of aging, right? dementia, uh, Parkinson's, uh, loss of eyesight. Like I said earlier on the show, my mom, she was losing her eyesight and she manifested 20-20 vision again. Why? Because she has that stardust. She found a way to activate that stardust to be able to uh, reverse that negative effect of aging. Wow. So let's, we'll come back to that because there's, I want to dive deeper there for a moment, but I want to kind of swing backwards to justice and the Mm. abundance. So, so what, would be your vi- what would be your advice, let's say, to a person who perhaps has been a victim of physical or social or emotional, psychological type of abuse? Would you, would you suggest that you know, they try and forgive, forgive and forget the incident or kind of carry on and kind of fight legally, yeah, socially? You know, what would you say to them? Yeah, that's a great question, Alex. And you know, there's people better than me uh, that are in that field directly. But uh, having said, I'm not going to avoid the question, because having said that, um, you know, I do get t- asked these types of questions. So I'm coming in at it from, you know, the perspective of daily divinity coach, right? I'm not a therapist. I'm not a, sure. a licensed therapist. I'm not an attorney. Uh, you know, I, I talk to those people. I, I have friends that do those type, that type of work. Um, so, but I'm not dealing that with that every day. So as the daily divinity coach, uh, I, I would show care. I would show mm. love. You know, yeah. nobody deserves that. Nobody deserves that. Yeah. Uh, and having said that, uh, you know, I would do my best to remind them that, you know, our, they have neuroplasticity. We all have neuroplasticity. That's one of our superpowers is neuroplasticity. Mm. That our, our brains uh, have the ability to overcome trauma. Um, and so I deal more with systems, right, and structures than I do with individual face and individuals, you know, facing circumstances, although I do obviously deal with individuals. Uh, but for example, let me give you an example. Uh, I talked about this in my show today, episode number 17 of my weekly series, Sunday Weekly Revival, uh, that 90% of indigenous America died from violence and disease uh, when the colonizers colonizers came over from Western Europe, so when the Portuguese, the French uh, colonizers, the uh, Spanish, the uh, British, uh, the Dutch came over, uh, it ended up resulting in the death of 55 million, approximately. Research tells us 55 million uh, Indigenous Americans. Uh, can you imagine the trauma? I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, just across mm. the river from Boston. Yeah. And my town, our city is 120,000 approximately, a little bit less according to the data, but uh, approximately 120,000 residents. Uh, we've had up to this day, 100 uh, residents have died from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. That's point zero, less than 0.01% of the population. Nonetheless, Alex, I tell you, in those first, because most of those hundred died, uh, overwhelmingly most, I think there's like 97 died in those first three and a half months or so. It was traumatic. People were traumatized in our town. I mean, every day somebody was dying or a couple people were dying of COVID-19 and just, it felt like the Grim Reaper just, you know, was just sweeping through town. Now that was less than 0.01%. Can you imagine 
if 90 percent of the population now having said that this is over 100 years or 100 years plus right we're talking from 1492 approximately to 1600 but still 90 percent. i mean that would be comparable to the entire population of california and take either florida right california being the most populous state in the nation and either florida the third most populous or new york the fourth most populous combine california with either new york or california or florida and if 90% of the populace in those two states passed away, that's what they were faced with. That wow. was trauma, right? Systemic yeah. evil. Um, nonetheless, we, we know through research, through science, our brain, we have brain plasticity, we have neuroplasticity, the ability to overcome trauma, which is an amazing thing. And that's really the, 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 really the, the impetus behind uh, being able to manifest immortality is that mm -hmm. we have that. We can overcome the traumas of aging, the negative effects of aging. We can overcome. So, you know, I talk about speaking, you know, I learned this from my mom, speaking things into existence. It amazes me that people speak aging and death into existence. We say things like, oh, you're over the hill now. Yes. Right? You're over the hill. Why, yeah. why do we say that? Right. <laughs> why, why do we want to traumatize that person? But that's what we're doing. We're traumatizing their brain when we say that. When, you, when we say, uh, we all grow old and die. Yep. It's a trauma. Yeah, and I guess so many of those sayings have just become kind of normal that people forget mm -hmm. what they're actually affirming. Yep, we've normalized that trauma. Wow. So, you know, that's interesting because, uh, you know, you, you do talk about immortality and you've mentioned a lot about, a lot about that. But why, why aren't other people speaking about it like this? That's a great question, Alex. And, I, and you know, I, I get out ask that question and i think it it really comes down to courage that you know after a 10-year self-study i thought about it and i said you know i could keep this to myself or i can share it if i share it it's going to take a lot of courage you know there's going to be people out there who think i'm crazy but at the end of the day guess what i'm the one with the de-traumatized brain <laughs> how mm. can i be crazy if I de-traumatize my brain to death, de-traumatize my brain to aging. I'm actually the opposite of that, right? So, because I have the de-traumatized brain. So, um, so it took courage. And I remember when I first, I confided in one person, my best friend, Carlos. And I said, Carlos, you know, we've been friends since we we're 15, 14, 15 years old. And I said, this is what I'm thinking of doing. I'm thinking about professing my immortality and doing so through social media. He's like, are you scared? I'm like, of what? He said, of People thinking you're crazy, and I know. And I explained, you know, everything. He's a he has his master's in philosophy, mm. and you know, I explained everything about stardust and everything else. And he said, "You know what? Go for it. I got your back." And uh, it's amazing how few people, uh, you know, say negative things about it. more. Most people want to learn more about it uh, because I show the science behind it. You know, I show the research. I show the ancient text. You know, the great teacher himself, right? Uh, the great teacher himself came right? Was here on yes. earth, you yeah. know, and what, what did he say? Destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. Mm. And he did. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he was uh, crucified, died, perished, and then came back three days later and then ascended to heaven alive in his physical body. I mean, talk about a miracle. And then what did a great teacher say? What did the great teacher say during his teachings? He said this, he said, we, Alex, you, me, Beto, will perform greater miracles. Mm. Amazing, right? Amazing it, to think about. It is amazing. It is amazing, and uh, it sparks curiosity. I think, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you you are bringing this up. Um, and 
I also think it's it's comforting to know about this neuroplasticity. You know, I, I don't think enough people are aware of that. So I think that's just so awesome to realize we can really we rewire our circuitry and, and change patterns and change beliefs. Absolutely. For example, I'll give you an example, a personal example. My sister, her uh, daughter, so my niece uh, is dyslexic. And mm. so my sister refused to believe that she wouldn't be able to read. And so she found, you know, the best program. She fought, you know, uh, she lobbied for her daughter. She became an advocate for her daughter and her daughter learned how to read. You know, these there's programs out there that help these children uh, to, to have dyslexia be able to learn how to read by exactly what you're saying, rewiring the brain. Yeah, yeah. And Beto, you're, you're unique in that you don't currently or you have not in the past profited from the work, your work in this spiritual world. So can you share a bit about that and, and the decision that led you to that? Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, so you're exactly right. I have not profited. Um, so like the great teacher, I have a day job. Um, again, he was a carpenter. I, I'm not, I do something else, but, um, yeah, I have not profited. Uh, when I was in divinity school, I had two advisors. Um, one was Cornell West, a uh, very famous wow. African-American yeah. theologian. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's on TV. He's a public figure. Uh, he was a surrogate for Bernie Sanders. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, Cornell West, when I, my first year, uh, at Harvard divinity school, he said, uh, Bethel, he said, uh, you know, I just want to share something with you, something personal. I said, what's that? He said, you know, I want you to uh, be careful of uh, who you take money from. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, when I was in seminary like you, I also had a family to feed. You know, I had a son or I had a child and I had a wife. And uh, so, you know, I went out and got a regular job, a secular job, because I didn't want to take money from somebody who might censor me down the road. And so that's what I did. I, I took his advice, literally, and, uh, and I still do, and I still work at a uh, secular job. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a result, Alex, I think this is you know, part of an answer to the question you asked earlier, why aren't more people talking about immortality? Well, a lot of people are censored. You know, they're taking money from organizations and entities, whether it's yes. corporations or whether it's faith-based organizations or whatnot, and they can't. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm free to speak, just like the great teacher, I'm free to speak my own words because I'm not afraid of censorship because I listened um, to the wise advice of Cornell West when he said, think, think before you take the money. Uh, my other advisor at Harvard Divinity School was David Carrasco, a Chicano, right, Mexican-American uh, theologian. Um, uh, who's done great work. I, I love David. He's actually one of my friends on Facebook and he, he reads my posts and sometimes tunes into my shows. But uh, David said this, I said, David, you know, I'm not sure what, what my future beholds if I should maybe, you know, apply to Harvard to get a PhD or whatnot. He's like, Bethel, 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 Bethel. <laughs> mm. He said, you don't want to be in my chair. I said, what do you mean? I said, I looked up to you. He's like, yeah, he says, I'll do something better. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, stay in the community. You're in the community. Yeah. Build yourself up in the community. Work with the people. He said, Harvard's a whole nother thing, man. It's a, it's a, it's a political animal. You don't want to be here. Mm. You want to be in the public. You want to be with the people. And I took that to heart. I didn't apply to any PhD programs. I'm sure if I did, I would have got in. Yeah. Uh, but I went another route and, and um, here I am now. Right. Exactly. I mean, be yeah. with the people and speak, just like the great teacher, be with the people and speak the truth and not have to worry about censorship. 
That's beautiful. So, so how do you kind of bring, for, bring forth an integration of your own spiritual life and expression into your world? And kind of how do you find balance with that? Oh, wow. That's a great, you know, that's one of the, you're one of the first ones to ask that question, Alex. That's a <laughs> very powerful, powerful question. So um, I, I practice what I preach. Um, very simple things. Uh, daily affirmations. You know, I had one of my uh, friends on Facebook. She uh, encouraged me this week and very encouraging. She sent a picture of herself at her home. She lives in California and she sent a picture of herself in her home and she has written, you know, in bold uh, print, uh, different affirmations, daily affirmations. And one of them says manifest eternal youthfulness, which is something that I teach. And so I do that. Uh, I, I, I do my daily affirmations. Um, you know, I read my favorite uh, ancient text uh, passages every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if, <laughs> if I really, really need something, Alex, uh, I call my mom and we do a scientific prayer together, right? Mm-hmm. Leveraging the law of attraction. I speak things into existence. So whatever I, I pray, I just pray it once with her. I visualize it. And then I put it into my daily affirmations and I say those every day, speak those into existence. Because once I have the visualization, I don't have to say it again. That's something I was taught as a kid, right? Wow. Um, practicing as a kid. Uh, yeah, so the daily affirmations, the uh, reading my favorite scriptural, uh, excuse me, my favorite um, verses from ancient texts, uh, you know, prayer uh, when needed, doing the scientific prayer. And then for me, you know, the ministry piece, even though it's not self-care, it's care for others, uh, but, you know, doing my day to divinity post, because uh, sometimes I'm ministering to myself when I, yes. those, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm clarifying my thoughts so that when I'm on a show like your podcast, I can articulate exactly what I'm thinking and feeling. I'm not, ha- I'm not struggling with my words because I've already written them out. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk about your show. You have a Sunday weekly revival series on Instagram Live and Facebook Live. Where do you come up with the inspiration for each episode? That's a great question, Alex. So I think it goes back to my, you know, my daily rituals. Um, you know, as soon as I finish one of my shows, like I did uh, just a little while ago, a couple hours ago, I finished my last show for this week's Sunday weekly revival. And, you know, immediately when I'm done with that, I start thinking about the next show. And, uh, you know, throughout the week, uh, I start thinking and talking. I have one person I confide in about my shows. He's my workout partner. His name's Dave. He's a, he also professes his immortality. He's seven years old. But he's getting younger every day. I remind him. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll bounce ideas off of Dave about, you know, the, the next episode. But, you know, my inspiration comes from everywhere. Um, the, this last show actually came from Dave's uh, uh, partner, his wife. She sent me a podcast uh, about a social scientist, uh, and he does research around uh, tra- trauma, uh, death and trauma. And it inspired this last episode. It was on the Fountain of Youth. And I know uh, that connection is not obvious, but if you watch the show, you'll understand. But uh, so, you know, that one came from, from, uh, from her. So um, one day I, I just woke up and uh, I, when I was a kid, we, uh, I grew up in California and my father worked for a gentleman who had season tickets to the San Jose earthquakes, the uh, MLS, well, it wasn't MLS then, but it was a major, you know, the uh, professional soccer organization Mm -hmm. uh, where we lived near San Francisco. And uh, they're called the earthquakes. So uh, 
that we had a, a guy, his name was Crazy George, and he was the cheerleader for the earthquakes. And he'd get us stomping our feet, right? We're at Spartan Stadium there in San Jose, California. And as everybody who would, there'd be a thousand of us in the stadium, thousands of us in the stadium. And as we stomp our feet, it would feel like an earthquake in the stands. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I woke up one day thinking about that. And, and you know, I connected that to uh, what I was going, it was just after the George Floyd, you know, incident or excuse me, tragic murder. And um, everybody was out in the streets marching, including myself. And I, I linked those two together. And I thought about it. I said, oh, my goodness. I had been taught my ancient uh, Mexica Azteca history from oral philosophers. And I was very blessed to be able to get that education from them directly. And I remember, them uh, I remember part of that education was that uh, this era of the four sun, this era of you know, the white supremacist empires was going to end by earthquakes. And that morning I woke up, I'm like, oh my God, that's how it's ending. People are taking to the streets, marching, wow. causing quakes in the streets, right? Earthquakes in the streets. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So different wow. ways it comes, the inspiration comes from all over. Oh, that's incredible. And you also have a set of bracelets, which you were so generous enough to send me a while back. And they're so cool manifest justice, manifest abundance, and manifest immortality. How did you come up with, with that? And, uh, and how can people get them? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up, Alex. I appreciate that. So it was um, actually before uh, COVID struck, you know, or I should say before, you know, cities uh, like my own were locking down. Um, I'd been traveling. I knew a little bit about COVID, but not a lot. But um, I didn't know we were going to lock down just yet. But anyhow, um, one of the self-care um, things that I practice, uh, daily ritual, is ma- um, mindfulness, right? Uh, so I do my meditation. And one day I was meditating. I believe this was back in February, maybe the beginning of February. And I was meditating, and I just got this vision of a black bracelet, and it read Manifest Immortality. And I said, wow. I'm like, I, you know, I talked to my son because my son, he resells sneakers and clothes online. I said, do you think we can get this made? You know, this is my idea mm. that came to my head while I was meditating. He said, yeah, I can get that done for you. You know, I got some contacts and we can get those bracelets made. And then so I called a couple of friends. I'm like, if I get these made, would you guys wear them? They're like, yeah, we'll wear them. Absolutely. That sounds cool. So, um, so I got those made, but then I realized quickly after that, you know, that's just one part of the, the one part of the whole I need to get bracelets that read manifest justice and manifest abundance as well. Yeah. And this was even before, you know, the George yeah. Floyd incident and all that kind of stuff. And so I got those made as well. And, you know, my son helped me design them and get the colors right and everything else. And so um, uh, we did a first production of 250 and I've given away over 200. I think I like got 30 or 40 left. And uh, yeah, so I just offer those for free to anybody who follows me on social media and um, people like yourself have responded and said, yeah, please send me the bracelet. So I provide them free. And uh, if you live within the United States, I provide free shipping. Unfortunately, it is cost prohibitive to ship outside the U.S. But anybody in the U.S. that wants a bracelet, I will ship those out to free. Uh, excuse me, ship those out uh, free to you. I'm happy to do that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm happy to, you know, people send me the pictures of themselves with the bracelets on and all that kind of stuff. So I think one, one mother uh, sent me a note, said that uh, my, her son, her teenage son, loved the bracelets so much they took them. So I sent her another set for herself. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's, that's so incredible of you to do. And uh, I just think it's so awesome. And uh, I love mine. I really do. Uh, so 
Is there, would you say there's a guiding principle or a certain strategy that you could su- suggest or maybe recommend for somebody who are go- maybe is going through a dark night of the soul or just a spiritual kind of transition? You know, it's been a, it's been a difficult year for, for many people. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to them? Yeah, no, I mean, the first thing would be to express love and care, right? Because it's, it's been a traumatic, uh, yeah, traumatic 2020, you know, all the deaths that are occurring. I mean, even the president of the United States, right, has been hospitalized with COVID-19. Him and his wife tested positive um, earlier this week. Uh, so it's affecting everybody in one way, shape, or form. Uh, my, my, I have a one, and I'm from California, but I have one relative here in Boston, and his, uh, his spouse uh, came down with a bad case, I mean, really bad case, and she's still months after having lingering effects. Um, so yeah, absolutely, it's been traumatic. And if I have, if I have a word of encouragement, it's um, that, uh, you know, there's, there's light coming, that, you know, my ancient uh, Mexica, when I say Mexica, see the Aztec, people call them the Aztecs, but the Aztecs call themselves the Mexica. Mm. Uh, but my, you know, ancient Mexica Azteca Maya, um, oral history teaches me that we're in the era of the fourth sun. And I believe the fourth sun, um, as they did, is, is ending. It's ending now. And this era of white supremacy of, you know, again, the Portuguese, the Spanish, the French, the Dutch, British empires, and now the U.S., the last of the, of the empires what i refer to as the fourth sun is ending and that the fifth sun is coming and the fifth sun is dawning and this fifth sun is going to be this time when we all alex all of us learn to live in harmony with each other in nature and it's going to be this magical time when uh not only that not only that we have that harmony but i believe you know beto believes that it's going to be this time when we're able to manifest immortality and manifest our desires because our desires are in line with the desires of the divine. So there's a magical time coming. And unfortunately, it's a dark time, but we got to remember the darkest time is right before dawn. Yes. Yes. Be- beautiful. Beautifully said. So before we finish up, I just want to ask you a question that I ask everybody that comes here on the show. And that is, Beto, how do you stay spirit guided? That's a great question. Uh, again, it goes back to daily rituals it goes back to keeping uh in focus the mandate that uh you know we're to serve the least of these but to be able to serve the least of these i have to take care of myself i have to you know shower myself with self self-care um and you know self-care it's not self-indulgence right you know it is self-care it's so that you can be of service to others and um so yeah that that's my practice is keeping those two in mind and keeping a balance between the two and um, and being joyful and grateful as as I am today, I'm very joyful and grateful that I've been able to be on your podcast, and and I really appreciate this opportunity, and uh, I'm humbled by it, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, you're so welcome. Do you have any final words you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I would just say this that um, I happily uh, give away free sets of bracelets. So if you want your manifest abundance, immortality, and justice bracelets, please just reach out to me uh, through social media. Uh, All I need is a name and a mailing address, and I'd happily get those bracelets out to you. Wonderful. And we'll make sure to also put your information down below in the show notes so people can easily contact you. Beto, this has been so great. I'm really happy that we had this conversation, and um, maybe you'll come back at another time. I would love that. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. For more information on how to connect with Beto, swipe up on the show notes. And I still have a few spots left to work with me one-on-one. So I invite you to head on over to my website or click on the show notes to schedule a free insight call. And we can figure out how I can best serve you. And until next time, stay spirit guided.